So the reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, you, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thanks very much, Maddie. Well, we said earlier on that all things um, in this life come to an end. And that includes human kingdoms. This year we saw the end of the reign of um, this chap here, Robert Mugabe. Looks like he's a bit tired with the reigning by this looks at that photo. Um, I think many people in this country celebrated the end of that particular reign. In our country, somebody else who has been celebrating um, a Sapphire Jubilee this year, 65 years on the throne. Can you believe that? Our own Queen Elizabeth. But one day, her reign will also come to an end. But as we said before, the great news of Christmas, of that first Christmas, uh, is that a new king was going to be born and his kingdom would never come to an end. Which means if we accept him as our king, then our lives don't need to come to an end either. We can live with him forever. But before we come on to this special king, let's first of all just um, spend a bit of time looking at Mary, um, the young woman who plays a very important role in the story from the passage which Amadi just read for us, the one who'd been chosen by God to be Jesus' human mother. On that first Christmas, we're told that God sent the, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth uh, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. That's clear that God was behind all of this. He was the one who sent the angel. Uh, he was the one who chose Mary. And he was the one who had chosen where all this would take place. Mary is a very ordinary sort of woman. Um, so to be visited by an angel uh, must have been pretty frightening. Even if the greeting was, um, was very positive. Have a look um, there. It says, greetings Verse 28, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Now we're told that Mary is actually greatly troubled, quite understandably. She was wondering what this was all about. And so the angel reassures her. Don't be afraid, Mary. 
you found favor with God. And tells us what is about to happen. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. Bit of a shock, I think, to, to Mary, who asks the, the obvious question, um, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel explains it will be through the power of the Holy Spirit. To emphasize just what God is capable of, Gabriel tells her that even her relative Elizabeth, who's beyond childbearing age, is going to have a baby. Nothing is impossible with God. Well, having heard all that, and presumably still quite overwhelmed with the news, Mary is able to say very humbly, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, I trust you. I trust God. I've no idea exactly how this is going to work out. I've got no idea what that's going to mean for my life, other than it's going to be a huge upheaval. It's going to turn my life upside down, but, but I trust you. And a few verses later, in verse 46, we, we read this song that she sings, the so-called Magnificat, which starts with those words in verse 46, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. It's not about me, she's saying. It's all about him. He is truly great and I want people to see his greatness. Whatever that may entail, I am just his humble servant. It's a wonderful example, isn't it, of humility, um, which we should all do well to, to follow, particularly when we're tempted to feel that everything revolves around us somehow. When we feel life should be all about our happiness, our fulfillment, everything going smoothly. That is the humble servant, Mary. But as we've said, it's not about her, it's all about Jesus. Let's come on to, to Jesus. He is the eternal king. Have a look at that verse in verse 32, verse 31, 32. This is what um, Gabriel said to, to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Those are some amazing statements in that passage. It's easy just to sort of go over them quite quickly, but let's just look at them in turn. The first thing that he says is you are to call him Jesus. And that's just not um, saying, look, uh, have a think about all the other popular names that are around today, um, and let's go for Jesus, shall we? That's probably quite a high up there on the popularity stakes. Um, not quite as high as apparently Noah this year was the top of the list for boys' names, 2017. Um, no, this, this name Jesus is a special name. This name Jesus has particular meaning for who he is, and what he's come to do. In Hebrew, it was Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And in Matthew's Gospel, we're told um, how an angel came to Joseph after Mary um, had become pregnant. And the angel said to Joseph, um, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This baby will be a saviour. But also, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, was told that his son, John, John the Baptist, would be great. But he would be great in the sight of the Lord. Jesus would be great because he is the Lord. And when we speak of greatness today, it's often to do with um, celebrity status, isn't it? About achievements, maybe in the fields of sport. You saw the Sports um, Personality of the Year Award uh, last week. Um, it may be um, achievements in the field of music or politics or whatever. It's all about status and achievements and popularity. I wonder if you've ever aspired to, to greatness. Or maybe if you aspire to greatness in your children. The thing is, with human greatness, it fades away, doesn't it? Um, in that Sports Personality of the Year Award, they showed various great sports men and women of the past who had died last year. I don't know how many you would have recognized. Quite a few. A tiny fraction of people are remembered after their death. They're in the headlines for a short while, and then they fade away. And so they go on programs like... I'm an unknown celebrity, get me out of here, to raise their profile again. Well, Jesus' greatness would spread throughout the world. It would spread throughout time. It would last forever. Why? Because he's the son of the Most High. He's God. He's of the same nature as God. The difference between Jesus, the Son, and God, the Father, um, is that Jesus took on human flesh. He entered our world. And that is the amazing Christmas story, that God should stoop so low as to enter the world of people, the people that he had made. And that Jesus will always be man and God. Thirdly, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Now, for a Jewish girl like Mary, um, this wouldn't be insignificant. She'd be thinking of all that she's been taught in the Old Testament. She'd remember those various references to God reigning forever, uh, like Psalm 146, the Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. She'd be thinking of those Old Testament prophecies, like the one here in Isaiah, looking ahead to the coming of a new king, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And she'll be thinking of the promise that um, uh, was made to King David in 2 Samuel 7, which um, Ollie read for us earlier. Let's just turn to that one again, shall we? 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Keep a finger in the, the Luke passage and we'll compare them in, in just a minute. It was page three, 310 in the church Bibles. This is what the promise was made to King David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And finishing verse 16, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established 
forever. And I'll flick back to um, Luke 1 and compare that with the words that she's just heard from the angel Gabriel. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I'm sure Mary's thinking at this moment, is this child going to be that king? Is this child going to be that promised Messiah? Now, the only problem was that she herself wasn't a descendant of David. However, if we um, look over in verse 27, we're told she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So this wasn't just a throwaway line. This was God putting all the pieces of the jigsaw together to make it happen just as he had planned. Remember last week um, with all the children, we looked at the pieces of that Christmas jigsaw puzzle. This is God putting them all together. Now, at this stage, some might have been thinking, but wasn't the Messiah meant to come from Bethlehem? That was one of the prophecies, wasn't it? And Mary and Joseph, they're living in Nazareth. How's he going to make that happen? But again, over the page, we turn to chapter 2 and verse 1. And what does God do? He says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So there's four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. God made a promise to David and the people of Israel. They'd been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled for several hundreds of years. In verse 37, it says, no word from God will ever fail. In other words, if God said this was going to happen, that Mary will have a baby by the Holy Spirit, and that baby will reign over Israel's descendants forever, then you can trust God that this will happen. Firstly, because he's God and he can do anything. But secondly, because he's faithful to his promises and we can trust him. God is faithful in his promises. And that should give us a huge encouragement, shouldn't it? Okay, we we mentioned that Jesus will be given the throne of David, his father, his human ancestor. He will fulfill the promise of God. We also said that he will reign forever. But what sort of kingdom is this? What does that mean exactly? That his kingdom will never end. Well, if you've been doing the Bible overview this term in your home groups, uh, we've been doing God's big picture and you'll know that God created man with a purpose. And history is the slow unfolding of God's purpose um, here on earth. And that purpose is the establishing of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom consists of God's people, in God's place, under God's rule, and enjoying God's blessing. Now, it started when God made uh, the heavens and the earth and the created humankind, Adam and Eve, and he placed them on the earth. He gave them the whole earth to look after um, and to enjoy under his rule. But when they disobeyed, they were effectively saying, actually, we don't want to live under your rule. We don't want to live under your kingship. We want to be kings ourselves. And without realizing, what they were effectively saying was actually, we want to follow Satan as king. And since that day, by usurping God's authority, Satan has set up an alternative kingdom. 
It's the kingdom described in the Bible, the kingdom of darkness, which has been war against God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. And right at the outset, God said he would one day destroy Satan. And he would do that by sending a new king. And that king would enter the human race. All nations would one day bow down before him. Now, the Old Testament prophets spoke about this king. We saw one of those prophecies earlier. God promised Abraham and David that this king would come from their descendants. And so as we come into the New Testament, we see that 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 promised king is Jesus Christ. He was the one who had come to save the world. And later on, when Jesus dies on the cross, it it appears for a moment that God has lost the battle. The earth is covered in darkness. Jesus lies dead. But when he rises on Easter Sunday, it becomes clear to everyone that Jesus has won the victory over Satan. He has reclaimed the earth. So what does that kingdom look like today? Well, Jesus' kingdom consists of all those who have accepted him as king, all those who have willingly subjected themselves to his reign, who enjoy living by his eternal values, having their interests served by a perfect servant king. And all Christians over history are part of this kingdom. Although it's not a, a geographical kingdom now, there will come a time when Jesus comes again and he will take his people to be with him in a new place where there will be only those who have accepted him as their king. Others may decide not to accept Jesus as king. They may decide that they don't want to be part of his kingdom. They would rather pursue other earthly rewards. Rewards such as maybe just being admired by other people being admired for their success and achievements, their looks, their intelligence, maybe their wit. Some will pursue the earthly reward of the accumulation of material things which give them pleasure. Some will pursue the joy of just being entertained. Some will pursue the security and joy of family and friends. And these things are are great in themselves, that God gives us many things to enjoy in this life. But if we're living for those things, then we need to recognize they won't last forever. And nor will we last forever. And that's why Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Earthly rewards may bring more immediate satisfaction, but they won't last whereas the rewards of Jesus' kingdom may not come as quickly. They will last forever. Until Jesus comes again, the world is still in darkness, and there's still a battle going on between Jesus on one side and Satan on the other. But throughout the world, Jesus' followers have established outposts of his kingdom, where his light is shining. In some places, there's a strong light burning, In other places, it may feel like the light is being snuffed out. But all over the world, God's people are praying, your kingdom come. They're waiting for the return of Christ when Satan will, in the words of Romans 16, be crushed under his feet because the victory has been won. Jesus' kingdom ultimately cannot be defeated. That day has not yet come, but it is coming. 
And so Christmas is a time to, to look back and celebrate when Jesus established the kingdom and to look forward to when he will fulfill his kingdom. And the question for, for all of us this Christmas time is which kingdom will you choose to belong to? And if you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your king, then why not make Christmas 2017 that time when you do that? I look forward to being part of a kingdom that will last forever. His kingdom will never end. He shall reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's just have a moment of quiet to just reflect on that truth that we've heard this morning, to reflect on what it means for Jesus' kingdom to to remain forever and what it looks like for us to be subjects of his kingdom, how that affects our attitude to some of the things of this, this world. Father God, we thank you for the good news of Christmas that a new king was born who would reign forever. Father, we thank you we can celebrate this Christmas. We thank you for all the, the different ways in which we do celebrate and the enjoyment that that brings us. But Lord, help us not to lose sight of the fact that these things won't last forever. The things of this world won't last forever. So help us to seek first Jesus' kingdom and his righteousness. And to trust in him that all those other things will be added to us as well. Lord, help us to strive to to live lives which are honouring to our king. Help us to look forward to the day when he will come again and take his people to be with him forever. Lord, help our lives to be focused on that eternal hope we have. In Jesus' name, amen.